Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I bet you Audrey Hepburn didn't have stinky body odor. <laughs> too perfect and too chic. She was exfoliating her armpits <laughs> back in the day. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos. We Ooh. hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Hi, Dr. Z. Do people call you Dr. Z? Yes, I'm often called Dr. Z, yes. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Sarah and I were actually on a trip recently to Austin, Texas, where it was, as we Southerners say, hot as a crotch. (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, I smell and I deal with this a lot. And Sarah's like, oh my God, I'm so sweaty all the time. And we had like a moment of closeness where we were like, okay, we need to talk about how we're always sweaty and smelly and we need to get this figured out. And we also had like a traumatic experience based on like sweat and body odor. I've had that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I feel like is very normal, but like Kirby and I and all our years of being friends had never like talked about it, which was so weird. So finally we were like, okay, we need to get an expert on and here you are, Dr. Zalka. Oh, delighted. (laughs) And very timely being, the, you know, July. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So before we get into the sweat talk, we want to kick things off with what's on your face. So Dr. Z, what are you loving right now? I love color science. Color science, it is incredible sunscreen in a powder form. And it's called Sunbelievable. And it's fantastic. It's a powder sunscreen that's 50 SPF. Now, granted, a dermatologist, you probably were going to figure I was going to say something about sunscreen. But what I love about it so much is it's a powder. When we first started carrying it in my office, I actually thought it was makeup. It is not. It's a powder mineral sunscreen. And I can throw it in my purse. It doesn't drip. And I can actually just quickly, I don't even have to look in the mirror. I can just powder it on. You can do it in your scalp if you want to protect your heart from the sun. So sun forgettable, color science, SPF 50, comes in a couple of different shades and it's invisible. You put it on and it's like you're not wearing it. So I'm a big fan. And Dr. Z, how often do you like to reapply that? So what I do is that's a second layer or even maybe third. So that's all mineral-based tinted moisturizer first. And that goes on like I'm running out the door. The best part is I keep it in my purse in my car and I then will reapply it in my car. So I'm going to say like on my way to work, on my way home from work, and I do drive to my practice. So I'm going to say maybe three times in the day. And it's a wait list. It's really fantastic. I love it. And it doesn't plug up pores. It doesn't drip. It doesn't get in your eyes. It's like you're not wearing it. It's fantastic. We always say here on Los Angeles, the best sunscreen is 
the one that you will wear. Right. And so this one, you know, is great because like you said, it's just very seamless and you can reapply it throughout the day. So great. We love that. We love to hear it. Okay, let's get down to business. You are here, Dr. Z, because you are an expert in and body odor, which is very top of mind for Kirby and I. It's something that we recently discovered has connected us. So we would love for you to educate us on all things sweat and body odor. We know that we have to sweat. Like it is a way that our body, you know, regulates our temperature. It is a necessity. But the body odor, like why does it happen? How does it happen? Why are some people's body odors worse than others? SOS, help us. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> There's a lot to it, but it makes a lot of sense once you hear it. Okay. So yes, yeah, so there are disease, there's a medical condition called ectodermal dysplasia. I'm not going to be very technical, but there's a disease called ectodermal dysplasia. And one of the hallmarks of that disease is that people cannot properly sweat. And people that suffer from this disease, if they're not properly sweating and reducing their body temperature, can be at risk for fainting. So you're absolutely right. My little tagline that I always say is, sweat is intentional, odor is preventable. So that's where we can start. So yes, yeah, sweat is intentional. Now, one other disease, and I'm going to not sound like a doctor after this, one other disease I'll mention, it's not so much a disease as it is a condition, hyperhidrosis. So hyperhidrosis, I'm sure you've heard, is the medical condition where one sweats profusely. You can measure it. And it's not just underarms. It could be your hands. Imagine you're a surgeon or you're a police officer and you need to carry a weapon and you have a sweaty palm and you can't hold your weapon properly, or you're a chef and you're cutting. So it can be very detrimental. So one's a disease of excess sweating and one's a disease of not enough sweating. But most of us who don't have either of these conditions really just don't want to smell and perhaps you know don't want stains on our clothing. So why is it? What's up with sweat? So here's something I found fascinating when I learned it in medical school and my residency is that sweat at its source is odorless and colorless. So coming out of the glands has no odor and no color. So how could that be? I have yellow t-shirts. I don't smell right. Well, think of this sort of concept, seed and soil. So think of the sweat as the seed and the soil is your underarm skin. So we'll stick with underarms for the time being as far as odor. So the underarm skin provides a soil for which those seeds either flourish and proliferate and grow odor or it doesn't happen. So really a lot of it has to do with the soil because we just got finished saying that sweat doesn't have an odor or a color. So a lot of it has to do with that base that sort of soil where it's flourishing. Wow. Okay. Okay. This has my mind just blown because I'm like, it's my sweat. It's the actual sweat that's making this smell. So it's actually my armpit skin. Correct. So what the hell's going on with my armpit skin, Dr. Z? It, do I need to exfoliate it? Tell me. Also, I've been in dermatology for 25 years, so I promise I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. So what it is, is that are there certain foods that could, you know, maybe change things a little bit? Yes. But just on the baseline, just an average day, average food, what's going on with the skin? So here are the, some of the factors. Sebum oil. So sebum oil, we think of a lot as sebum oil on our face because it's oftentimes why we're oily, why we may get clogged pores, why we might look shiny instead of a matte. Sebum oil. Another thing is pH, and I'll get to all of these. So pH is another factor. Bacteria on the skin is another factor, and moisture is a factor. Not to mention, that's just the soil. 
adding to the soil now comes rain and thunder showers. <laughs> the rain and thunder showers could be thought of as what are the hormonal influences? What are the medication influences? Am I exercising? So these are sort of external factors. But getting back to just your underarm, let's say. So what's happening is one factor is a lot of products that we put on our bodies, be it cleansers, moisturizers, shampoos, a great majority of those things are alkaline. If you wash your skin as we most of us do in the shower with a bar soap or a beautiful cleanser, we're lathering up our underarms. But if we don't rinse it out properly or we don't maybe dry it off properly or just build up, alkaline builds up. And alkaline makes the skin more at ease to grow the odor, again, seed and soil. So when the skin is more alkaline, it is more inclined to make those seeds of the sweat happy and produce odor. So alkaline is one thing. So the skin likes a slightly acidic pH, you know, neutral, but slightly acidic, like 4.5 to 5.0 or 5.3. And that is called the skin's natural acid mantle. The acid mantle of the skin is the pH at which the skin is most happy and where it just flourishes. So pH is one issue, that's the soil. Another issue is of course moisture. So if the skin is moist, it may allow bacteria to breed. So we talked about the pH and we talked about moisture. So bacteria then will breed and as fertilizer, again, going through my metaphor of soil and seed, sebum oil. Sebum oil makes the whole thing happen even better. Sebum oil is like fertilizer. There's a chemical reaction that will take place with a bacteria called Carinibacterium. And Carinibacterium happens to be the same family genus of organisms that's on the skin that produces acne. So Carinibacterium loves the sebum loves the moisture, loves that alkaline pH, and voila, the breakdown, the oils breaking down, the skin cells breaking down, makes the smell. And it's a, basically a, a type of chemical reaction that's producing uh, an odorous smell from bacteria. There you have it. Okay, so then based on what you said, I'm thinking, so I'll always smell because I sweat. Like I have that moisture, right? Is that what you're saying? That's only one part though. Okay, okay. And that's again, going back to my sweat is intentional, odors preventable. So I have not used myself in five years, maybe actually longer. I have not used anything that blocks my sweat. I sweat a decent amount. You know, I go to a gym, I sweat. I haven't had odor maybe three days in six years. And that's just because my knowledge, of course, we can get into the product that I recommend. But yes, so moisture is only one of those things. So you need to have sort of that perfect recipe. So you're not making a delicious uh, birthday cake out of just flour. So flour is only one aspect. You need the eggs and the milk and the sugar. So, so moisture alone isn't going to be the issue. Okay. You mentioned hormones. You mentioned genetics. Could this be a genetic thing as well? Yes, it can be because genetics will have an effect on what, how thick your skin is, how much sweat you produce, what kind of oils you have in your skin. But it still boils down to that soil and that sort of petri dish of wanting to create the odor. Now, I haven't tested all human beings. I mean, I've done clinical testing, but no, could there be people that we, no matter what we do, they're going to have odor? There could be. But I think from my experience, both as a doctor, as a friend, <laughs> and people that I've worked with, that the moisture alone can be there and flourish and you not have odor. And to that fact, people that have hyperhidrosis, that disease that I mentioned earlier about who sweat profusely, funny thing is, they don't have as much odor. It's almost as if it's so much sweat that it's diluting the process 
So that's another interesting factor. So many of the patients that have hyperhidrosis are so bothered by moisture and wet, literally dripping wet, they don't have as much odor. How's that? So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Sarah, I was going to say, I feel like when we talk about our skin, I'm oily, you're dry. But when we were talking about like sweating and odor, you were saying that you just sweat so much. So I do. I sweat a lot. My husband always makes fun of me and teases me that I like sweat instantly if I'm like somewhere that's like really hot. And then my body odor though, I feel like it varies. Like sometimes it's not that bad and I'm just like sweating a lot. And then sometimes I'm like, what is happening here? And maybe it is like hormonal, like I just had a baby. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's genetic, like you said, but I can't figure it out. (laughs) And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like I don't get super wet. Like I don't deal with rings around my underarms on my shirts. You know, my face will glisten if I'm like super sweaty and out in the sun. But like when I work out, even I get really red. I'm not sweating through my clothes. Usually Mm -hmm. for me, it's more of like the odor concern. So I'm curious what advice do you give your patients when they come and they're like, I'm sick of smelling? What can I do to remedy this? Well, enter surface deep. (laughs) But short of that, I'll talk about that. But I ask certain questions. I ask them about diet and their amount of sweat. And I go into, I explain that alkaline theory, explaining to them that they may want to switch products that they use. And, uh, you know, there's a movement now, if you want to call it a movement, that our diets are too acidic and we should be ingesting more alkaline. Well, um, the opposite to me is the case with skin. I think our skin products should be mindful of that acid mantle. So anyway, I go into discussion with patients and it's not just underarms. It could be under the breasts. It could be the feet, but the common denominator are these are places that have apocrine glands. So that's another thing we haven't really teased out. So back to the odorless and colorless, the sweat is coming from these glands, these uh, and ducts. Um, there's eccrine ducts and apocrine ducts. Apocrine ducts create a slightly thicker type of sweat. And that tends to be more, here's the kicker, that apocrine gland seems to be a little bit more affected by hormonal changes. It ramps up under certain hormonal influences, particularly, you know, that's why teenagers start to like preteens start to develop odor. They didn't have it when they were six, but now that they're 13, they do. So the apocrine glands mature during puberty. So they just fire up. So it's very common that teenagers and younger people have a little bit more trouble, both with sweat and with odor. So I find that I would say that the peak of the complaints that I think I hear from people are probably between the ages of like 13 and 30. So that young, you're young, you're going to be an adult, but you're still quite young. And those hormones are just part of it. And if you think back the theory behind apocrine glands, what they actually evolutionarily were doing, because they're not as much responsible for keeping your body temperature in check. But what the theory behind apocrine glands is that at one time, those apocrine glands were sort of our scent to attract. It was our perfume that at one time that this was a smell that was thought of as uh, enticing. But back then, whenever that was, we were made of been on four legs, so we ran out and standing upright. Yeah, so the theory behind it is that apocrine glands were designed to create odor. So that's an important factor too, that there's these two types of glands. So back to hormones, yes, hormones can certainly ramp things up and that too can be genetically determined. Back to what I tell my patients, I tell them again that the alkaline factor, that moistness can fluctuate it, but how surface deep came about and how it was formulated was six years ago, I was getting ready to go on a vacation, a quick, like a long weekend. And I was scurrying about my bathroom and realized in my busy life that 
oh gosh, I forgot to buy, I need a new tube of deodorant. And at the time, we should also talk about the difference between antiperspirant and deodorant in a moment. But at the time I wasn't using antiperspirant, it was strictly deodorant. And I was using like a lavender stick that was just smelled nice. And it wasn't really great. And every time I would put it on, no brand name, it, but every time I put it on, I thought, I just wiped this on my underarms yesterday. Is this really clean? <laughs> I thought, geez, I don't know. And I guess some people maybe wipe off the top of it with alcohol. I don't know. I just, anyway, I never loved it. So when I didn't have it for my trip, I, I didn't really miss it, but I was in a hurry and I was going to be on a plane for several hours. And I thought, gosh, what should I do to make sure I don't smell? So I looked around my bathroom and I said, oh, I have some glycolic products. I have, I, you know, being a dermatologist, I have access to a lot of products, you know, so here I am. And I said, well, I'm just going to make myself extra clean. If I'm extra clean, maybe I won't smell. Well, it worked. I didn't put any deodorant on. I got to my destination. I certainly, I was only going to Aspen, Colorado, which is quite cosmopolitan. It's not like I wasn't going to find a store to buy. Oh, well, I didn't. I didn't buy it. I realized that the acidity, I, it dawned on me when I was flying on, my, on a plane, that chemistry, you know, comes back to me. And I realized, I think the reason I don't have odor is because I acidified my underarms. Well, then enter the chemistry and getting the product right. And because too much acidic can be irritating. So that's how Surface Deep was born. So I've not used anything other than that for these many years. And I do sweat. I mean, I sweat a normal amount. I was at the gym today. I sweat quite a bit. It was a hot day. I work and live in Connecticut. It was quite warm and I sweat. It goes away. It stops. And I don't have odor. So I recommended this to my patients and it has worked immensely well. And it works for places uh, like, for example, under the uh, under the breasts. I call it sort of the sports bra area. You can get some odor in that sports bra area. Your belly button sometimes has a bit of an odor. You can use it there. <laughs> but the idea being that you're reducing some of the sebum load, you're reducing the pH. And you're also, another thing we didn't talk about is exfoliating. You're taking away some of the dead cells because the dead cells just hold on to bacteria better than a smooth surface. So can you explain how often you should be using your pads, like when you should be using it? And then also, can you use it on places where you are sweating a lot? Or like, where would you recommend, you know, you mentioned your belly button under your boobs, but like, what if you have sweaty hands or feet? So the Surface Deep anti-odorant pads and anti-odorant because it's neither a deodorant or an antiperspirant. Um, the pads, I recommend that they're used daily. We've recently also launched a spray, which is also daily, but the pads, I recommend that you use them. I went to the gym today and I didn't feel like taking a shower before I went to the gym. So I actually, to just my dry skin, I applied the pad to dry skin, but you can use it before the gym, after the gym, after a shower, but it generally once a day works. If you get into the habit of using it, it works so well that it has a longer duration. You know, when you first start, it may take a little sort of breaking in period. So one pad comes out of the pouch and rub vigorously under one arm, underarm, you know, a few little wipes in a circular motion, turn it over, use the other side for the other underarm. And it can be used when it suits you best. I find that it works better if you're dry to start with. And I also find it works best when you have not like a soapy residue in your underarm. So that's why we also launched a cleanser. To speak to that whole acid mantle issue, we launched a cleanser, a surface deep cleanser, so that you could use that cleanser in the shower and even further the improvement because you're not using an alkaline soap. So anyway, so once a day, and it can be used in underarms, which is the most common place, the breast, the navel, the belly button. You can use it on the feet, although we launched a spray, which is a little bit more user-friendly for feet. And I often get asked by patients and customers, can it be used sort of in you know the private area? What 
I suggest is not to use it on really an open area. So in other words, could you spray it on your thigh, like where your thigh creases? Yeah, I just wouldn't spray it on an open body area. It's not been tested like gynecologically. I think it potentially could be wonderful, but I do not want to raise any concerns about uh, without having it been tested, but certainly in the crease of your thigh or um, the top of your buttock, um, give it a, either a spray or a wipe and um, it really works incredibly well. And again, by the nature of keeping that soil inhospitable to the bacteria causing odor. Awesome. Um, since you've touched on this twice already, we want to ask you, what is the difference between antiperspirant and deodorant? Thank you for asking, because it is quite important. So antiperspirants, by their nature, involve some form of aluminum. It's either aluminum chlorhydrate, zirconium, this is a zirconium aluminum compound. And what that does is it, it'll create a salt. So aluminum is a metal. It'll create a salt, a little salt plug in the ducts of your uh, underarm, in the ducts. It creates a plug and thereby making limits, not forever, but temporarily limits sweat from getting to the skin. And that's huge. I mean, that's going to be very important if you don't want to have wet marks on your clothing. So it's indispensable for many people. But for those who are okay with sweat and for those who just wanted to reduce odor, enter deodorant. So deodorant by its name is uh, something that has a perfume that masks a smell. Now, granted, the, many of the natural deodorants now, which are excellent, and I have wonderful colleagues in this field that have produced amazing products. They work beautifully, but they're different than the product I've invented because they always, and I can't think of one that doesn't, have some form of perfume, something that's masking your smell. As a dermatologist, I've learned that even with natural deodorants that are fewer in chemicals and don't have aluminum, I see a lot, a lot of underarm rashes. And they say, well, I'm using this natural product. How can I have a rash? Well, that could be because even things such as, as natural as baking soda, charcoal, they may have fragrances in them. And as, as a dermatologist, I'm well aware that fragrances are at risk. They have a high risk for causing rashes, which oftentimes relates to their alcohol content. So when I launched this product, I was very, very, and people said, oh, why don't you make your product with like a nice little fragrance? Maybe someday we'll do that. But right now it's very limited, if at all, with any kind of fragrance. It's sort of like you smell like yourself. There's a slight eucalyptus smell to the product with rosemary because it has essential oil. But let me get to the point. It doesn't have a masking perfume. And it's those masking perfumes that are very florally or, and they can be beautiful. And some people love that. But I wanted a product that was very neutral and also very unisex and, and gender neutral because it could be used by men or women. I would much rather smell like my expensive perfume than my deodorant. Yeah, like if you want to smell like something, you, you do it on purpose. Right. If we can eliminate that smell that's coming from here at all, then great. So the anti-odorant name, I was driving to work and said, I'm going to call it anti-odorant because it's not deodorant and it's not antiperspirant. It's anti, it's preventing odor. You mentioned, Dr. Z irritation and rashes are some people more prone to like having armpit breakouts and if so like what do you usually recommend armpit breakouts are something we see frequently and they can be quite severe and what usually is behind that and some people are more prone to it of course than others that could be sebum related we talked about the oils I would have to say I see it a bit more in those that shave their underarms so shaving hair puts someone at risk for that so the product that the Surface Deep product, both the pads and the spray, 
um, help in, in a number of ways. So I think I mentioned that the product is uh, largely based on alpha hydroxy acids, glycolic acids, it has citric acid, glycolic acid, which how it even came into my life was as a dermatologist, I've used that a lot for years on the face and oftentimes treating, maybe it's uh, fine lines, but uh, most of the time I'm using glycolic to treat acne and clogged pores. So the product helps help acne. And when you have acne in your underarm, the, the medical term we usually use is folliculitis. Those pimples that you get in your underarms can be helped by using products that you might use on your face, like a glycolic acid or a benzoyl peroxide. So in my, my practice, I go through what the patients maybe ask them to stop shaving for a few days. I'll ask them to hold off on anything blocking. So go back to aluminum. Aluminum is going to block things up. So uh, another tagline that's on the product label, it says blocks odors, not pores. So you, you don't want to block pores on your face and you also don't want to block them in your underarms. Again, if you have hyperhidrosis and you have a significant sweating problem, you really don't have much of a choice. You need to block that to keep the sweat at bay. Um, but pimples in the underarms are going to be a little bit more uh, potential for, as we said, shaving production and blocking pores. So we want to avoid those things. Now, of course, you might have to shave. Um, we sh many people shave their underarms or have hair removal of other variations. And that's a factor. Just like with men, they sometimes get more acne on their face on their beard area. The hair follicle is a place where the oil glands love to be close in contact. So oil glands and hair follicles are close together. So you have a hair follicle, oil gland, and you shave and you disrupt that little happy relationship, uh, it can cause pimples to come out in underarms. So that's where glycolic uh, from the face, the use on the face became now something that I felt was very, uh, very helpful for use in the underarm with the key component being the right formula, because you can't just willy nilly use glycolic acid on your underarms without getting into some trouble with the irritation. What about discoloration in our underarm skin? What causes that and how can we prevent it? So discoloration on the skin by and large is caused by thickening of the skin. Why does the skin get thick? Because many of the things we do to our underarms, the skin gets a little defensive to what we do to it, you know, shaving and plugging. So by using certain products that leave layers and layers, residue, many deodorants, as of course you know, um, are greasy or they, well, not so much greasy, but they are gels or sticks or pastes that layer onto the skin. And by day after day layering these products on, it has this sort of like a buildup. If you think of that with like hair products, you know, you use the same products, you maybe need like a clarifying hair product. So think of that a little bit with the underarms. So the underarm gets pigmented and also the moisture. The moisture creates a little bit of thickening of the skin. So when the skin gets thickened, that epidermis looks browner, it looks darker or gray. I think gray is probably a better or a better color description. So that discoloration, it can be bothersome to people. And it's um, now naturally we have different skin tones. So everyone has different skin tone, but no matter what your skin tone, it's like an uptick of that color. You know, it's like darker. What can be done to help that is exfoliating. Um, exfoliating and reducing the buildup that is left on the underarm. So those are two mechanisms. And shaving gently and just taking general good care of your underarms. And I always recommend when people use a shaver to, if they're removing hair, to make sure that shaver is sharp and that it gets changed regularly. I'm sure you've heard these tips before, like how to get a good, you know, a good shave and so forth. But the dark skin color is a function of that skin thickening up and anything that we can do to sort of free it up and like unleash it and exfoliate it. And, and again, in moderation and gently, very important to do that, do it gently. Lastly, irritation. So if you're using, let's say, an aluminum product or any product for that matter, 
that irritates your skin, again, the skin gets defensive. It gets sort of gets angry. And how it does that is it gets thickened up. If you think of a scar, scars tend to be thick. It's like your skin is just sort of like trying to protect you. It's like putting a little bit of layer of armor. So if you've been using a product that repeatedly has caused just a little bit of irritation, a little bit of irritation, a little bit of irritation, your skin like thickens up to, as a defense. You know, I say, show your pits some love, you know, give it love and, and just be gentle because it really is a thin, gentle skin area. So you want to treat it kindly. Okay, so you mentioned like the tenants of a good shave, but let's go through like a good underarm maintenance plan. Yeah. When you talk to your clients about sexy armpits, armpit health, all of that good stuff. Yeah. What do you tell them? Do you give them a regimen throughout the week or like share with our audience a few things that they should be making sure they do to their armpits on a consistent basis? Absolutely. And this is going to be a short one because it's not, there's really not that many things. So it starts in the shower. And again, I've said this several times, I, every so often, I think it does bear fruit. And I don't think it does help to cleanse with something that has a lower pH. So maybe get away from true soaps, use a cleanser as opposed to a true soap. That's not alkaline, number one. Number two, you can exfoliate in the shower. You can use a a type of any kind of exfoliating mechanism, like something that's a silicone exfoliator, something that's a brush. If you're using something that's a brush, you want to make sure it get, you want to make sure these are clean because they sit in the shower. They, you don't want yeast or mold or anything to build up on them. Typically, mold, excuse me, not yeast. It would be in the shower. So something clean. So exfoliating is sort of a, maybe a lacking in the alkaline category exfoliating. Then when you get out of the shower, make sure you pat dry, but again, not rub. Like you don't want to be too harsh. So one tr little trick, a little hack I do is I get my hair dryer on the cool setting. I air dry my underarms because um, that's, you know, the towel can be a little bit irritating. And if, if maybe you didn't wash your towel for a couple of days, the towel can hold on to moisture. And if the towel is holding on to moisture, maybe there's just a little tiny bit of slight mold in there. You know, you don't see it or smell it, but it could be there. So shower with an alkaline-based or lower pH cleanser, a little bit of exfoliation, air dry those underarms. And then maybe once or twice a week, use an exfoliating cleanser, just like you'd use on your face. Maybe something that has um, a, a glycolic in it or salicylic or some scrubby, uh, something that has a bead in it. Again, you want to be careful. Um, I'm, I'm very environmentally minded. And I know some exfoliating cleansers, you have to be careful what they're made out of so they don't get into... Um, water sources. So, um, so, but that's really it. That's all it takes. And, and if you do find you're a little bit irritated and you've done your shaving and you're a little bit irritated, be nice. Maybe put a little bit of moisturizer on your arm or a little bit of uh, essential oil or some oil, uh, just like you would do to your skin. So if you're finding you're irritated, stop, don't further that irritation, give it, give it a break. Maybe don't shave for a couple of days. If you're finding yourself irritated. So listen to your skin. And if you're getting red or irritated, just take a break. That's perfect. You have mentioned shaving is like a form of exfoliation. Would you say, though, if somebody does experience maybe a lot of breakouts from uh, shaving, are there alternative methods for hair removal that you prefer over others? For instance, I have laser hair removal with my underarm. I had it done, I guess, probably two years ago at this point. It grows back a little tiny bit now, but not as much as it used to. Um, and I've personally found that it's like helped with my armpit maintenance. But I'm curious, like from a professional standpoint, if somebody can't shave, do you offer other alternatives that you think are better or maybe more sensitive to that area? I do. And, you know, not everyone can afford 
laser, I, I could be inclusive. And, and I'm a little biased because I do, I've had laser to my own arms and I perform it in my office. So that, like, just want to put that bias out there. But I do, I, I have actually used laser to treat people that have severe underarm breakouts. I've used laser for people that have severe face breakouts, like people's women, uh, more so than men, because men don't always want to have their beard removed permanently because laser is close to permanent in many cases. But I've had patients that have had very persistent blemishes on their chin, blemishes in their underarms, and it, they're stubborn. And if, if hair removal is up, up for grabs for them, I will recommend the laser as a treatment for those pimples. Because if you get rid of the follicle, because that's what the laser does, you get rid of the problem. So yes, I um, and laser would be my choices. Other hair removal choices, of course, threading and sugaring and waxing. Um, but by far, and I'm coming from a bias, I'll admit it, but by far, laser hair removal is a wonderful way to address acne on the face that was hair follicle related, uh, particularly on the chin and upper lip, and very much the case for underarms. I'm like, I need to fly to Connecticut and get you uh, come in to get my pits lasered. And I kind of want to get like my whole body lasered at this point. I, I would welcome you with such open arms. I love it. Connecticut's really fun. And please come. Dr. Z, I have to say too, I love a self-aware doctor. I love that you're conscious of like your biases, but also conscious of people's budgets because we get a lot of experts on the show. We love them all, but sometimes they see, say things so nonchalantly and I'm like, that's a thousand dollars. Like, what are you doing? So I love that you're very aware of that. Yes, we appreciate that. I'm very sensitive to it. And I always tell my patients, I don't want to spend my your money for you. I can make recommendations, but you earned it and I, I'm not going to spend it. So I'm very budget conscious, very. And I, I also do cosmetic procedures, a, a lot of them in my practice, and I'm very budget conscious. I really, I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Kirby and I are coming to Connecticut. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> okay. I'll make it worth your while. I'll make it worth your while. I we'll mean, a- I'm sure. I want to talk about a few more treatments that, you know, we get asked about on the pod. We get asked about getting Botox, you know, in your underarms or about Miradry. Can you speak uh, to those treatments and whether or not you recommend them? They are both outstanding, outstanding treatments. So they're both excellent. I'll, I'll sort of give you the highlights of both. So Miradry, I uh, do not offer that in my practice. Many times I've thought, I, I've wished I had, but I do not. Uh, but Miradry is outstanding. It's a, a mechanism that is actually using microwaves in the underarms. And I've never handled the machine myself, but I ha- I'm very knowledgeable about it. And it is an outstanding treatment for those who suffer from hyperhidrosis or just have regular sweating that they want to maintain, you know, improve. I've had people that have had Miradry where they their sweat is Usually the, the goal is about a 70, 80, and sometimes even higher amount of reduced sweating. And then just a little bit of sweating is, is reduced, excuse me, is remaining and people are thrilled with it. And it, it after a couple of treatments, they're pretty good to go. They may still have odor because we, as we discussed, moisture is not the only thing causing odor. So they may not eliminate odor, but it greatly reduces it and greatly reduces, of course, sweat. Miradry is a little bit more expensive and a little bit more painful 
than Botox. So what does Botox do? So Botox, I have done many times in underarms. We use, uh, in both cases, both for mirror dry, which I don't do, but and for Botox, there are numbing mechanisms. We can use numbing products to reduce discomfort. But the Botox is a bit quicker um, and about the same price, a little bit less expensive. The issue with Botox though is you have to keep up with it. And typically with Botox, people are needing to maintain their sweat reduced state or sweat-free state. To maintain that, they um, will generally need to do it twice or three or so, maybe four times a year, but I'm going to tell you probably two or three. Both of those are sort of expensive procedures. They are both well over $1,000 for both of those procedures. But for someone who's, who's suffering with sweat very much, and, and they are they are life changers, both of them. And, and Botox can also be done on the palms and the bottoms of the feet, as can mirror dry. So it's not relegated strictly for underarms. Okay. So we know that you have your own um, surface deep antiodorant, but do you also have deodorants and antiperspirants that you personally love and recommend to people? I follow other products like in the marketplace. It's my job to do that. And I, I'm very impressed with what I see out there. And I applaud a lot of products that I, but I'm relying if I don't use them. So I have only used surface deep for honestly five or six years. So that I'm not being cute and not suggesting. So I, I'll, I'll shout out. I'll shout out. You know, I see a lot of products uh, that sound so interesting out there, and I applaud. There's um, a product called Lumi um, that's uh, also a doctor produced. Um, I've never met the doctor. She, I would love to meet her someday, maybe. But um, but I haven't used it myself, and it, it's it's not for lack of that they may be great products. But I've been so satisfied with what I've used, and so, so I apologize. I'm I'm going to go silent on you. No, don't apologize. We love the realness. I just want to add one more thing uh, just to clarify. When you're using the surface deep pads, because there is glycolic and citric acid, if you shave, you probably shouldn't use those right afterwards, right? Excellent question. So uh, particularly with the spray, now we have a spray. Yes, if you've just shaved immediately thereafter, there could be just a slight sting. And when I tell people too, is when they spray, if they use a spray to just turn their head away because it, it, the glycolic has an acidic pH. So if it kind of like gets into your nasal passages, it could see like a little, uh, maybe tingles a little bit. It's no way, it's not dangerous in any way. But those are my, the only uh, pieces of caution I would say is that yes, after shaving, be a little bit cautious. I will also say we've talked a lot about, about glycolic, but I say it's powered by, by glycolic, but it's balanced by probiotic. There's probiotics in the product that minimize that stinging and minimize, but yes, I think probably not so much the pads. I haven't had feedback on pads causing a little bit of stinging, but I think with the spray, I would, we even have a little statement on the label to just not use it immediately or to use it, but just expect maybe a little bit of stinging. So yes, that's a great cautionary comment, but the probiotic uh, does limit the irritation. I feel that I put out a product, I'm a dermatologist, the last thing I want to do is put out a product that's going to make somebody have a rash. That would really not look good for me. So <laughs> I've really, we've studied this quite, quite extensively. So <laughs> Um, I have a question. Can you explain the difference between the pads and the spray? Like, does it work better for, you know, a specific customer? Should we be using them together? Why did you develop the spray after the pads? So this pads came out first and my goal was to make a product that had no plastic. 
So my goal was no plastic. So that's why it's a paper box. It's a pad that's biodegradable. And also that pad was designed for traveling. This was pre-COVID. So it was designed to put in your purse, put in your gym bag, put on, as I told you, I went on a trip, put it in your luggage. We've got a lot of feedback. We have wonderful, wonderful uh, feedback, uh, followers, clients, customers. And they said, gosh, we love these pads, but you know, what about putting it in a, you know, I don't want to have to open up an, a fresh pad every day. And there again, I didn't want to use a, a and now there's post-consumer plastic that maybe we'll use down the road, but right now we wanted to use glass. We made a glass bottle for the purposes of limiting, opening that little packet every day. So now we call it home and away. So the bottle is sort of sits on your sink and it's home. And then when you are, you're away, you use the pads. So what is the difference? The difference is simply delivery. Delivery. It's the identical formula. The pad is delivering it by pad and it's a little bit more gentle. And I think it's a little bit more designed for someone that perhaps doesn't have hair in their underarms because it, it contacts the skin more easily. The spray uh, was designed in mind a, a bit more because we got male feedback from, or not just male feedback from people that have underarm hair. The spray will penetrate hair a little bit better. And it was also launched as a foot spray. So it's actually can be used on the feet. Um, and it's again on, for bra area, for your sports bra for the top of your butt, a little squirt of spray. So it was designed for delivery, but it's the exact same formula. It just turns out that when it's not on the pad and it's delivered straight to your skin without the pad, we've been having a lot of feedback that it lasts longer. So in essence, we have something on our website that says for even more power, the formula is the same, but the delivery system is such that it gives you a more prolonged improvement. So those that may have thought, oh, the pads are okay, but maybe I don't get a full day which we've studied it and we've found that it does last a full day. But if there's someone who feels like, oh, I, I need something stronger, I would, I would greatly uh, encourage them to use the spray. Awesome. All right. We have reached the end of our interview. Dr. Z, you're incredible. Thank you for all of this knowledge. I've been using the pads and love them so far. I'll, we'll keep you updated. I know Sarah is testing them out as well. Before we go, we ask every guest on Los Angeles this question. All right. So you've left Connecticut and, and that's because you are the next blockbuster queen. You are the movie star billboards everywhere oscars know your name everybody wants to work with you you have this summer movie coming out who is your co-star audrey hepburn i just think she lights up the screen she's elegant and i just always thought she was a fantastic actress and i love breakfast at tiffany's <laughs> i bet you audrey hepburn didn't have stinky body odor <laughs> Too perfect and too chic. She was exfoliating her armpits <laughs> back in the day. Love, love, love. Well, Dr. Z, thank you so much for coming on to Los Angeles. Where can everybody find you online and where can they pick up the Surface Deep pads and the spray? Well, thank you so much for asking. Um, so right now, Surface Deep pads and spray are available at surfacedeep.com. And they are also available on Amazon. They are available on other platforms such as Bonsai. And again, the website is Surface Deep. And I would love you to follow uh, Surface Deep on Instagram at Surface Deep. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.